0: Good afternoon, everyone. When I was praying into uh, this last Sunday of July, I felt like the Lord was wanting to release something prophetically over us for the rest of this year. Uh, Actually, I'm going to pray before we get started. So God, we do come before you today in humility, ready to receive what you have for us today. We thank you for meeting with us in worship. We know that you are amongst us even now. So God, speak to our hearts, speak to our spirits, renew our minds. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love how the Lord spoke to us at the beginning of the year through our uh, New Year's Eve prophetic service that we have. So I feel like this word will uh, kind of be an extension of that, but also like a refining and like a fine tuning for the rest of this year. So I'm very excited And hopeful for what is to come. I know God's already been moving in our midst. He's already been recalibrating our hearts this year towards His. I love everything that we've seen so far, but I'm really excited for what's to come. Of course, you know, we faced a few challenges and setbacks this year, which is to be expected when you're birthing something new in the Spirit, when you're stepping out in faith, when you're pioneering something new. We know we're making the enemy mad as he's losing his grip on people and the territory here, but we are resolved to stand firm and to fight the good fight of faith. We know God is raising up an army in this place made in his very image, that of a conquering king. And we have been assured the victory in Christ as long as we stay connected to him, as long as we remain obedient to his commands, and as long as we do not faint or quit. We will reap a harvest. We will see revival. We will see this region restored by the glory of God. I believe with all my heart, we will see the lame walk. We will see the blind see, and we will see the dead rise again. We are the people of faith, and we will please God with our faith. I'm very excited about this word today, so I'm gonna go ahead and read the word I feel like the Lord gave me this week, and we're gonna break it down a little bit. This is a season when God is calling us deeper. Deep is calling out to deep. There is so much more that God has in store. The Father wants to spend more quality time with his children This is a season of reprioritizing our priorities. How we spend our time will reveal our hearts. This is a season of getting things in their proper order. It's a time of snapping things into their proper alignment. It's high time that we put first things first, both in word and in action to those who are willing to shift focus, to those who are willing to press in, to those who are hungry and thirsty for more of God, God will reveal his secrets in the secret place. I didn't say that, but that's the name of the message today. Secrets in the secret place. This is an open invitation to ask, to seek, and to knock there is joy in the process. There is refreshing in communion. There is encouragement in the fellowship. God desires a deeper and more intimate relationship with his people, and he wants to express his love more fully in the process of building a deeper relationship. He wants to reveal his secrets to our hearts, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, revelation, vision, strategies, and solutions for every plan and purpose are waiting to be unfolded. But it is reserved for those who will hunger, who will thirst, and seek after the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Lord is saying, come away with me, dwell with me, abide with me, live with me and love with me and I will show you great things and guide you into a higher understanding of me and my ways and you will be transformed in my glory. Amen. So point one, I wanna go and break this down today. Point one is the call. The first thing we need to understand is there is a call. God is calling us deeper. God is calling us higher. The closer we get to the end of the end times, the closer we need to stay connected to and remain with the Father. We can't do what we've been called to do on our own, and we can't accomplish our destiny disconnected from the source of our strength. Look at how Jesus said it in John chapter 15, verses four through five. Remain in me, And I will remain in you, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit for otherwise apart from me, that is, Cut off from that vital union with me, you can do nothing. You see, God desires that all of us come to Him, that all of us walk in freedom, that everyone abide in intimate fellowship with Him. But how will we individually answer that call? And this is not an automatic word. This is a if-then. If we remain in Him, then we will bear fruit. Will we continue on doing the same things that we've been doing, yet hope for different results? Will we hear the word and agree, but then not mix any faith with it and put some action to it? Will we be willing to be inconvenienced when God calls and puts aside our agenda and subdue our flesh to the greater degree with the Spirit? Jesus instructed us about meeting God in the secret place in Matthew 6, verse 6. He said, but when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So let's talk about the secret place for a minute. What is that? This is the place that's reserved for just you and God. It's a place where you are the most honest, you are the most transparent, and you're the most vulnerable. It's a special place of intimacy where you share the deepest desires and longings of your heart. The easiest thing I could think of to try to compare this to would be the bedroom in marriage. You shut the door It's private just between the two of you. You tell each other things you wouldn't tell anybody else, and you learn things about each other that no one else knows. It's special, it's sacred, and no other relationship comes close. With God, this should be prayer, reading and meditating on God's word, connecting with him through praise and worship. This is where maturity is birthed. But the thing is, our society is very selfish. Everything is about what's in it for me. I want it my way, and I'll do what I want when I want. But we are not like the world. We have a new nature. We have God's nature, which means we've been empowered and equipped to do things God's way. Unfortunately, when this attitude creeps in the church under the guise of grace— It teaches people that essentially we can have God, but on our terms. Contrary to scripture and Jesus' own personal example, this attitude says, I don't have to get up early and put God first in my life. God understands. I'll just spend some time with him a bit later when it's more convenient for me. You see, Jesus is my homeboy, and he understands But then what happens? We get busy with life. We get distracted. We have to go to work. We have to go to school. Our friends are calling. We need to talk to them. We need to go hang out. Oh, our favorite episode is coming on tonight. I can't spend time with you now. Oh, the game is on. I can't possibly miss the game. Oh, I have to take the dog out. I have to take out the trash, and now I pass out. But then we say, it's okay. God's grace covers me, and I'll just try again tomorrow. But the cycle continues, and then before we know it, whole seasons of our lives have been wasted, apart from any meaningful time connected with our Heavenly Father. But we can break the cycle today. We can put God in his rightful place today. Look, all throughout Scripture and in the life of Jesus himself, and we'll find a pattern. We will find the principles of putting God first, of giving God the best that we have, of making God the top priority, and then letting everything else fall underneath that all-important relationship. If even Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done, how much more should we? If even Jesus got up early to pray and spend time with the Father, how much more should we? If even Jesus would often withdraw from others into secluded secret places to be alone with the Father through the day, how much more should we? We can and must, and this is, is what God is calling us to in this hour. Recently, the Lord's been dealing with me about this and stirring my own heart for more, more of him, more of making time with him a higher priority and not a matter of convenience. Look, I'm not a morning person by nature, and I already get up pretty early for work. So my flesh didn't really like the idea of getting up an extra 30 minutes earlier than I already was to spend even more time with God and God's word. But my spirit recognized the call and has been stirred up for more. And so even though my flesh doesn't like when the alarm goes off every day, my spirit is ready and hungry for more of what God has. And I believe y'all are too, since you are listening to this word. Now, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. The question is, how will we choose to use them? Have you ever noticed that the way we talk about time is the same way we talk about money? We count time, spend time, waste time, borrow time, squander time, or invest time. And just as God calls us to be a good steward with the money that he gives us, we need to also be a good steward with the time that he gives us as well. We can invest our time in God and God's kingdom purposes, and it will pay huge dividends both now and for eternity. And even if we haven't done the best job of that so far, God does have grace and can redeem the time, but we have to count the cost. There it is again. <laughs> we have to count the cost and make the decision now to seek God first. We have to choose to come back and dwell in that secret place with him. There is a cost to the call. There are some things that are taking time in our lives and we have to decide for ourselves are we going to continue on with things that are distracting that are lesser things but that we are investing our time in. So as I'm going through this, maybe the Spirit will reveal anything that maybe can be reduced so that we can make time and make space for what's most important. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty whose power no enemy can withstand. But see, we have to dwell I think a lot of us get impatient and we try to run ahead and do things on our own. And God's saying, no, there's a time for it, but if you would just dwell with me, you will be protected and shielded from a lot of these things that are going on around you, but you gotta stay undercover. See, the call is to meet with God in the secret place, for it's in the secret place that God reveals secrets. Think about it. You don't just share every little detail about your life with just anyone. The most treasured and deep things in your life are reserved for the most treasured and deep people in your life. How do you tell a secret? Usually, it's in a very small voice, like a whisper. Why? So that other people who have no business knowing can hear what's being said and how close do you have to be to someone in order to hear a whisper? Very close, right next to them. Their mouth might even be so close to your ear that you can actually feel the wind from their breath. Just the other week, Rochelle had been praying and asking God some specific things, and not just one time, you know, I love that about her. She's very tenacious and will keep on going. But she had been praying and asking and praying and asking. And one night she was laying in bed praying. And she literally heard the voice and felt wind across her face that blew her hair. And it was like, whoa. But I'm saying that's the picture, right? That's the picture. We're so close and we press in so much that literally you can feel you can hear and you can feel the secret. That's how close we need to be. We need to be in that secret place like never before. We need to retreat into the bed chambers like never before and wait and listen in the prayer closets like never before. If we don't, we'll miss that still small voice. He's speaking, but are we there with him listening, right? will miss it and be frustrated that nothing's changing. Meanwhile, he's saying, hey, come on, let's go. When we dwell in his shelter, when we stay connected to him, when we put him first, then we can stand on the promise God made in Jeremiah 33, verse three. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Aren't y'all glad for that promise? He says, I will answer answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things which you do not know. And what's the great thing about once he does tell them to you? They're not hidden. Now you can understand them. Now you can know them. Point number two is a process. This is a season. This is a process. Many times we tend to focus on a single point, a final destination, the bottom line, And oftentimes we miss many of the meaningful things that God's trying to show us along the way. For instance, sometimes we just focus on the solution to the problem and we completely miss the fact the God of the universe has invited us into a relationship and can converse back and forth with him. Isn't that amazing? He literally invites us into a relationship and says, hey, ask me and I'll talk back to you and actually help you. But sometimes we just miss that and we're just like, just fix it, fix it, fix it. Give me the answer and then I'm done. But it's about relationship every day. Maybe to illustrate this point, and just go with me here for a minute, okay? Um, we'll use a kid waiting for Christmas to get a special gift Maybe he tells his parents, this is what I want. And then he begins to just pester them about it every day, just talking about his gift. When am I going to get my gift? This gift is going to change my life. I'm going to be so happy when I get this gift. Oh, could it just come today? Meanwhile, the parents have already bought the gift. It's already tucked away, hidden somewhere for the right time for it to be revealed and given to the child. But sometimes he's, he's so impatient, he just wants it now, but it's not the right time yet. I know because I was that child. <laughs> I did that to my own parents. So I, uh, I wanted this special toy. I wanted it very bad. I already told them about it, but I just kept every day. I want that, I'm gonna get it. And then one day we were actually in the store and I said, I'm gonna go buy it right now for myself. And they're like, well, you really should wait till Christmas. And i are like, no, I'm gonna go ahead and buy it now. Like, you really should wait. And so I made it very awkward because it was already purchased. So anyway, that's a picture also of doing things in your own flesh and not having faith to wait and trust in the Lord. But God is good. He wants to give us what we want, but not at the expense of what we need. And what we need the most is a close, personal intimate relationship with him. There's also preparation in the process. You see, God doesn't waste any time. Anything we go through can be used by God to bring about something good. Hard trials and difficult circumstances can refine us and purify us. Resistance builds strength. Anyone who's ever worked out knows that is, that's the name of the game. Resistance builds your muscles. The problem is we don't like resistance. We don't like when things are hard or aren't given to us the way we want right now. But God's using the process to develop our faith. He's using these things to develop and build our character. But a lot of times we don't like building our character because that implies there's something broken that needs to be removed. There's some bad behavior that needs to be reformed and made more into God's image but he's utilizing this time to remove every place of pride and self-reliance so that we are humble and dependent on him. Then having gone through the trial and process, having been built up and strengthened and purified and our character molded into his, we will be prepared to effectively carry the thing that we've been waiting so long for. We will let God grow us into maturity through this process. It's also in the process we learn to press in and fine-tune our ears to the voice of the Lord. Look at the truth the Apostle Paul explains that we have in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We can understand the things of God because he is giving us his very spirit. Don't ever get discouraged when you get just a piece of information or a clue or something incomplete that you feel is from the Lord. It's not some sick game. It's not a trick. It's been said that God does not hide things from us. He hides them for us. This is explained beautifully in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Remember, we went through this series on identity and how God has made us kings and priests in his kingdom. One of the ways that we get to function properly in our role is to take up the honor and the privilege of taking those things and actually seeking them out and trying to discover and unlock those mysteries that God has placed before us. I love how the Passion Translation translates Proverbs 25, verse 2. It says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meanings of all that God says. You see, it's our honor to search out the deeper things of God. Maybe we just need to stir up some passion in our pursuit, in our relationship with the Lord today. This is an invitation to ask, to seek, and to knock. Look at it as an invitation to go on a journey, not just to discover an answer, but to get to know God more fully as the one who knows and understands all things, but also loves you more than you could ever imagine. Again, we see this very clear invitation from Jesus in Luke eleven nine through 10. I love the way that Amplified translates this. We really get to see the tenacity that he asks us to use when seeking him. Jesus said, So I say to you, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives. He who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to him who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be opened. Now look, we can no longer treat God like some genie or a wishing well. We can no longer approach him as a holy Santa Claus that we give a list of demands to, tip with a stale cookie, and then don't talk to him again for another year until we need something else from him. We need to treat him as almighty God, the heavenly father who leads us and answers us through a close personal relationship. He wants to not just give us an answer, but to take us higher, to learn more about himself and to learn more about who we are in him. We can't ever forget this is not about us. It's about God and God's will being done in and through us to bring him the most glory in the earth. The faster we grasp this, I believe the faster the process can be. It is a process. It does take time to grow fruit. It doesn't just spring up overnight. I found this very interesting. Speaking of time, according to the New York Times, on average, American adults watch five hours and four minutes of television per day, per day. Conversely, according to Time Magazine, the average American spends only 19 minutes a day reading. Five hours and four minutes, not even 20 minutes. And that's not separating like Bible time. That's like total reading altogether. And then according to Lifeway research of those who actually do read the Bible, only 22% read it each day. Again, it's not that we don't have the time. We're just not utilizing it and distributing it to what the most important things actually are. Just like money, if we don't set a budget and tell the money where to go with time, if we don't budget our time and schedule our time, it will just evaporate and we'll wonder, where did it all go? What have I done? But we can change all that today. There are no shortcuts. There are no microwave deep relationships. I love how the message translates Matthew 7 verses 13 through 14. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires your total attention. And point three, the reward. The third and final thing we need to realize about this is that Jesus is our reward. At the end of the day, what we really need, what is the deepest longing of our souls, isn't answers to tough questions. It isn't circumstances working out in our favor. It isn't becoming an overnight millionaire influence or even operating in the supernatural power of God. Our reward is Jesus himself, knowing him and being known by him, loving him and being loved by him. That is the goal and that is the prize. Look, all the other stuff will come and go, but he is always with us. Some things will work out the way we want and some things won't, but he will never fail us. Some seasons we may have a super abundance. Other times we might feel like there's scarcity, but that doesn't change the fact that he is always our source and our provider. We don't love God because of what he does for us, though he does more than we could ask or imagine. We don't love God because he answers our questions, though he loves to reveal his knowledge and help us in our time of need. We love because he first loved us. We love because we're his family. He is our heavenly father. We love because God is love and his nature has become our nature. The more we spend time with him, the more we become like him. As a result of having this intimate relationship with God, it's through this we begin to hear more clearly to understand more fully, to grasp what is truly going on and what we need to do about it. Jesus explained in John chapter 15, verses 14 through 15, you show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master's doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Jesus reveals to us everything he hears from the father through the Holy Spirit. But see, there's a condition there. We have to be his intimate friends. Friends, And how does Jesus teach us we are his intimate friends? We obey all he commands. And what did Jesus command? Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. I'm glad you asked. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than, than these. See, contrary to what our selfish and lazy culture would try to convince us of, loving God with everything in us is not a suggestion. It's not just a good ideal to shoot for. It's a commandment. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Everything that we are and everything that we have is to honor and love him. Love is not just some mushy feeling. It's not a rush of excitement. It's not just a hope, a promise, or even a choice. Love is a commandment. When you love someone, what do you do? You look forward to talking to them. You share your life with them. You make them a priority in your life. You do what you can to make them happy, to make them laugh, to make them smile. So my challenge is let's find ways to love God correctly, to demonstrate our love the way he demonstrated his great love for us, not just with words, but some type of action. And what happens when we do make God our first priority, when we seek after him, when we worship him alone, when we seek to please him and make him happy? Again, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met as well. See, this is a divine season when God is calling us deeper. He is refining us in this process. He desires us to have a reward, but as we saw, there are conditions and costs associated While it's not automatic, it is guaranteed to those who are willing to count the cost, listen to the Spirit, and obey what God instructs us to do. Most people are content to only seek God's hand, but never his face. They want the provision of God, but not the presence of God. They want rewards, but with no relationship. But we are not most people. I believe we are hungry and thirsty for more of God like never before. We will not be like the Israelites who wanted choice meats, water, and clothes that never wore out, but wanted to send Moses to face God for them. No, we will be like Moses who boldly but humbly went up the mountain to meet with God face to face, who met with them in the tabernacle and whose face reflected the glory of the king. And even more will be like Joshua, who would stay behind in the tent even after everyone else had left just to spend a little more time with God. We are hungry and we are thirsty for more of him. This is the season of consecration. This is the season of preparation. It's a season of getting things in order so we can effectively cross over into the promised land. What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do today to agree with his word and go deeper? What do you need to consecrate in your life today to be ready when you cross over to the promised land? Joshua 3, 5, it says, sanctify yourselves for his purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wondrous miracles among you. So let's be people who are ready Let's be people who are prepared, and let's get ready to move. Amen? Amen.